Hi, this is Austin Anderson. I'm the lead pastor of Tekoa Church. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tekoa Church exists to see people connect to God, to find and live out their purpose. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. Well, this week, we are in week three of our celebration series, and I am loving this series, the energy, the excitement even that we've had in the room here. And honestly, as a pastor, it's been a really life-giving series as we look at something, the celebration of that we're supposed to have in our life and the church is supposed to have that's throughout the pages of the Bible. And I know that I have not talked about it enough as a pastor, but it is something that is essential to our life as the church, and it's part of how God has created us. Matter of fact, it's part of what heaven is going to be, is one giant celebration and worship party. And I'm grateful that we serve a God who is fun, who celebrates and invites us into that celebration, right? We don't serve a God that just demands obedience, and we're just lucky to, you know, be alive, but we serve a God that loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, who turned water into wine to keep the party going, and who created heaven to be a place of dancing and rejoicing that we get to spend eternity in. And today we're going to continue our series talking about, you know, everyone's favorite topic, finances, money. You know, and I, I know I, I mentioned that as we jump into the service here and I kind of see the room just kind of sit back a little bit like, oh, is this what I was, this is what I wanted when I came to church today? I don't know if it's what you wanted when you came to church today, but I believe that God has a word for you in it. And I believe that this topic is not, you know, it's not a bait and switch of we're in a celebration series and so uh, let me just insert giving and finances into that, but I believe our giving, our finances is supposed to be an area of celebration in our lives as well, and so I believe that God has that for you as well, that he wants to bring life into this area of your life, that he wants to bring life and celebration into your area of finances. My message is called Celebration Follows Giving. Celebration Follows Giving. It comes from, uh, giving, sorry, comes from a heart of celebration. Our giving should be an act of celebration, and it actually leads to more celebration in our lives. Sometimes it's challenging, sometimes it hurts to give, sometimes it can also, though, bring so much joy. And I want to speak about how you can let God bring joy into this area of your life. I also want to mention, as a, a pastoral note even for our church you know, I am so grateful for our church and for all of you. I'm grateful as I preach this message because I get to honestly speak to so many people that have over the last year, I think, taken steps of faith to trust God in their area of their life, who have given towards the kingdom work that he is doing, who have increased in their trust of God in their finances. And as a pastor, it gets me really excited because this is often a stronghold in so many people's lives. And I know that if you're growing in your trust of God in your finances, you're growing in your discipleship in other areas of your life as well, and that gets me really excited. So many of you are in a situation, maybe there are people here where you think, oh, well, I'm even good in this area. I don't need this message today, but I believe that God wants to bring more joy, more celebration, more life into this area of your life. And if it's your first time with us, this is a little bit more of a message for our family, um, but we're glad you're here, and um, I'm praying that, and I believe you can get something out of this message as well. But it's an important topic biblically. I did some research this week and found out, you know what, the Bible talks about prayer over 500 times. It talks about faith over 500 times, both 
pretty important topics that we would say. Talks about finances over 2,000 times throughout the pages of the Bible. It's an important topic for God. It also, for Jesus, over 25% of his teaching was around finances. Now don't worry, I'm not going to start preaching on this once a month, but it shows us that it's something we should be talking about regularly. It's also something that's hugely important to our discipleship and our faith journey. The reason the Bible talks about money and sex so many times is because it's major strongholds in our life, um, and it's an important thing for us. Don't worry, I'm not going to also talk about sex today. I've got more than enough to cover in finances, um, but we will talk about it this fall because it's an important part of our life, and it's through the pages of the Bible. Statistically, the number one reason couples argue and fight is money. And if you're single, one of the top challenges in your life often is finances as well. So let's jump into the scripture and see what the Bible has to say to us on this topic today. We're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Maybe you've heard this verse before. If you've been around a church, you've, you know, this is a common one around this topic um, because, you know, even people like to look at this, God loves a cheerful giver, and people think, well, if I'm not cheerful, I shouldn't give. Or it, you know, starts to do this um, interesting spiral effect. But Paul is calling the church, those that follow Jesus, to give abundantly. And he goes on, he continues to say, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." leads to my first point this morning. God provides abundantly. God provides abundantly. As Jesus said um, that this is what we are supposed to do. God is the one who provides for you. He is able to provide for you to give you enough. And he wants you to abound in what he has for you, not just a little bit. That your finances, God is able to provide plenty because it all comes from him, right? And he wants you to succeed. He has for you to succeed. And he wants you to succeed, though, in what truly matters. It says in this verse, the works of the kingdom of God. That's what matters when we follow Jesus. That's what you're going to abound in when you trust him in this area as well. And let's go back to week one of this series, right? Jesus turned water into wine. Remember, Pastor Tim mentioned this. 150 gallons of wine is what he did in that miracle. God doesn't give sparingly. He gives abundantly. And that's also true in this area of our life as well. And it's tied together. What is your mindset regarding this area? Maybe you've heard this phrase before in the church or outside of the church, an abundance mindset or a scarcity mindset. What what do you think about in what your resources you have? It can be your finances. It can be your time. It can be all sorts of things in your life. But do you think abundantly or with scarcity? And this verse is a biblical basis for this principle. You who gives sparingly will gain sparingly. You who gives bountifully will gain bountifully. 
And the basis for that is that God gives abundantly. And so that there is going to be more than enough for you in your life. And if, you know, for example, you don't trust him with your finances, you don't give your finances to him, you're going to reap in this area and in other areas. That's really what this is getting at, not just in the financial area, but in general in life, sparingly. But if you trust abundantly, you're going to reap a harvest abundantly. You know, we didn't start a church in downtown San Jose with $10 million in the bank and a building to put our name on and an abundance of resources, but we have given all we have, literally our family, so many other people in our church, and as a church, we have trusted not just financially but with our lives, given everything to it, trusting Right? We're sowing abundantly with all that we have, and what we're seeing is that we're getting to reap an abundant harvest as a result. We might not have an abundance to give right now, but all that we have, we know it comes from God, and we trust Him with it, and He is giving us an abundant harvest as a result. It goes back that God wants you to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because the reluctant giver is a sparing giver. That's what He's getting at here. The reluctant giver gives sparingly. The cheerful giver gives abundantly and thus gets an abundant harvest. The bountiful and generous giver with joy receives the joyful giving of God who is a joyful giver. Let me say that differently. Right? The cheerful giver who gives abundantly gets to then receive from God who is an abundant, cheerful giver himself. It goes around in a circle. God cares about you and he is going to outgive you every single time. It might not be in the area that you expect, might not be the area that you think, but he is going to outgive us every single time. Matter of fact, he's already outgiven us by sending his son Jesus for us, something that we could never match ourselves. And this is a cycle, right? The more that you give, the more that joy you receive in your life. This is not a prosperity gospel church. What it says is you will be richer in the blessing of God in his kingdom. You will be richer in the work of getting to see God impact people. That is the abundant blessing that you get to reap in your life when you trust him with your life, with your finances, with the entirety of your life. It's not that you're going to just gain so much. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 18. I've been reflecting on this over the last couple months. It says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many more, many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. What I've been reflecting on that, that scripture from God, because sometimes it feels that way to me, like I've left a lot for the kingdom of God. And as I've been reflecting on it, it doesn't mean that you who gives up a home will get two houses. It's not like a multiplication of like, you know, you subtract one and then God adds two or three over here and you give away three and then you get six over here. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But you have left house and given to others. Do you know how many places I could stay tonight? If I needed a house tonight. Dozens or hundreds, not just here but around the world. Because of what I have given for the kingdom of God. It's not that my family has given so much that we're going to own dozens of homes. It's we who have lost relationships and given up for God's kingdom have so many more that are open to us because of their relationships and what we have done for the kingdom. God is able to provide abundantly because we're a part of his church, we're a part of his kingdom that is global, and there is plenty for us. Let me tell you, for my family, we've had plenty, we've had little over the years, 
And God has time and time again provided for us. We have lived on $400 a month, and we've lived on much more. We've lived in urban, suburban, rural. We've lived around the world. What we've always done is trust God in all areas of our life, including with our finances. And what we've seen is that he's always provided for us. Sometimes it's been a struggle, yes, but he's always provided for us. Our habit is that at the beginning of the month, Allie and I sit down and we look at the financial area of our life because it's an important thing for a couple to talk about. And I, so many times, Allie, we've sat down and Allie says to me, I don't understand. We are giving so much away. We're doing so much for God. How do we have so much when we've sacrificed so much? Because of his blessing in our lives. You know, and we give generously And that has helped us in so many ways as we give generously. Much of our income, right, it has helped us stay out of debt. It's helped us have a mindset of gratitude. It's helped us have a mindset of abundance. It's put us in a place today where we get to give more and more and more. And what we think about and what we're talking about is what does it look like for us to do even more? Where we trust God more and more. And consistently, Ali and I wonder, how do we have so much? We don't have because we're greedy, because we're focused on becoming rich, and we aren't rich by most of Silicon Valley standards. But to us, we are so rich at times it's unbelievable, and that's the difference. Because we're rich in what matters. We're rich in relationships. We're rich in how God has provided for us and what we're getting to do with our lives. And I know people that make hundreds of thousands of year, and, and they feel poor. There are news articles about people making a few hundred grand a year here in Silicon Valley and they're still living paycheck to paycheck. And now that's unwise stewardship, which is another important topic. But the answer to your problems is not simply more money. Some of you, that might help and, you know, that's something to pursue. But even if you get it, it's not going to fix the mindset that God provides abundantly. That's something that matters no matter how much you have right now and how much you're going to have. Do you trust God that he provides abundantly, that it comes from him? Even here in Silicon Valley, you know, I'm honestly sad by how often people complain about how expensive it is here. And maybe you need to hear this today, and maybe it, maybe it is, maybe you're, you're working a minimum wage job and you're really struggling and more income would help, and that's a reality. But we live in an amazing place. Yes, it's expensive, but man, I love where we live. There's amazing people here. There's an amazing church here. There is amazing restaurants here. The weather is incredible. You can jump up to the mountains or go over to the sea, spend time in nature. It is a beautiful place to live. It's an amazing place to live. And God is here. His blessing is here. There is goodness here. Are you complaining about it or are you grateful for it and enjoying what he has for you? Because I love this place. I I really do. I'm so grateful to love to live here. And, I, and we've planted a church in downtown San Jose. It's one of the top five hardest places and most expensive places in the country to do this. And I don't want to be anywhere else. I love being here because I have this mindset of gratitude for what God has given me and this mindset that he is going to provide abundantly even more. And what our family has, I'm grateful that we're going to joyfully give abundantly. And we have this mindset of gratitude. And we're grateful to be a part of this church that is doing his work. And we're sowing generously. And God has been allowing us to generously reap. 
And there's others like us in this church as well that are a part, a part of our team and our partnership, and they're doing the same thing. And they're getting to see the, the, what God is blessing and doing. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're looking for purpose in your life. That's why we started this church, to help people find their purpose. And I'll tell you, until you start giving financially and trusting Him with your finances, you're not going to fully find your purpose. Until you start trusting Him in this area of your life, it's a major area. By doing that, you're going to become thankful as you trust Him. You're going to get to celebrate in it. And you're going to get to start living out your purpose as God helps you or allows you and brings you into and blesses you with being a part of His kingdom work. I know that my family is experiencing this and so many others are, that as we trust him, he brings us into the work of his kingdom. That's the blessing that he offers to us. My second point this morning is blessing turns into blessing. A blessing is something that we don't deserve that we receive, a provision. And when we bless others, we receive the blessing of God. He says this in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will provide thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. It's not just doing something for the needs of the kingdom. It's overflowing with gratitude and celebration for God. We give from a place of thanks, and God allows us to then be even more thankful as a result. We give because he loves the world and he loves all the people in the world. And if God loves those people, they're worth it for us to love them too. We give and we trust because he first loved us when we didn't deserve it. And he has given so much for us. And we give a place of thanks, from a place of thanksgiving to God and we say thank you for what you've given. And right, this is a reality. Like, there is blessing in giving. There is joy in giving. Pastor Tim and I were talking this week, one of the most famous YouTubers that's around right now is a guy named Mr. Beast. Maybe some of you have heard of him. But the premise of his videos is about giving ridiculous things away. And I think one of the reasons, there's so many reasons that it's popular, but I think two of the biggest are the ways that the people that watch identify. There's part of us that identifies with the receiving of, hey, there's these random people off the street that all of a sudden get a car or a house or a hundred grand or something, and we like the idea that like maybe that could happen to us too. But there's something more to it, I think. I think we love it as well because we get to identify with the giving of something that's ridiculous, of a blessing to somebody that they don't deserve. And we love that we get to be a part of it, you know, as a third party. There's joy that comes from giving away. And it's true. They've done studies. A certain amount of money will increase the happiness and joy that you have in your life. It's true. But more than that, it's not a guarantee, right? And, you know, even as we get further into this, you know, it can lead at times even to less happiness, right? More money, more problems, right? That's, that's life. That's the reality. Right? The more you get, then there's the more that you have to have insurance or the more you're afraid of losing and the more things that come in your life. And God says in his kingdom, it's different. Because they've done studies as well. The thing that's guaranteed to bring more joy into your life is by giving away more to, to other people. 
we are created to give because we are created after the image of God and God is a giver. He has given so much to us and he continues to give to us. And because we're created in his image, we are created to enjoy it as well. And the beautiful thing about God's kingdom is this. He says, you know what, you've got it wrong in your head. If you give, they win and you win. If you don't give, they lose and you lose. It's not about getting the most, keeping the most, gaining the most. It's about sharing the most. We looked last week, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son for us. That's what his kingdom looks like. That's the kingdom that we're a part of. If it was good enough for God, and that's the example he gave to us, do you think it's good enough for you? Are you willing to trust him in that area as well? He says in Acts, it's more blessed to give than to receive. This is what's true for us. And there is a spectrum of generosity and, you know, wherever you're at on this, I want to encourage you to trust God more. Because when we trust and when we give, right, they celebrate more and then we get to celebrate more because we get to celebrate with them. And God creates more celebration in our life and that's a part to be more cheerful in your giving. They celebrate more, we celebrate more. The greatest part of how God's kingdom works is that there is more sacrifice involved and sometimes it's difficult, but it's they win and we win. It's not a one or the other. It's not about a winner and a loser. It's about we all win in God's kingdom when we receive from God. And the more that we give, the more thanksgiving we get to have in our lives. If you want more thanksgiving, if you want more praise, if you want more joy, you want more party, you want more life in your life, then God is saying give more, sow more, and you'll get to reap more. The more we give, the more we get to celebrate. And that is a reason to give cheerfully and a reason to give. The third point this morning is not so much a point, but just to, to show you where I'm going in this section <laughs> of my message. Some of you, that's helpful. I want to talk about what it looks like giving in the church. Just for a minute, um, I'm going to look, uh, give a brief theology of what it looks like to give in the church, um, as brief of an overview as I can, because it's not really the, the basis of my message today, but I think it's important for us. And I don't know, right, I, I started this topic in my senior thesis in college, and I don't, I started looking into it, because I said, you know what, how much are we really supposed to give in the church or in God's kingdom? Like, what does that look like? And I don't think I started that pursuit for really good reasons. I think I was hoping that, like, I would be able to give less, because as I studied the Bible and I studied the New Testament. But this is, uh, this is the overview. So tithing literally means, in the church we talk about tithing, it literally means 10%. It's an Old Testament principle. It was a flat 10% of all income that they had, but at times it was actually as much as 30% of their income. Sometimes we think about just the smaller amount. And it was used primarily for three things. It was used for the priesthood, which is people that work in the church today. It was used to help those in need in the community, and it was used for community celebrations and gatherings, right? It it looks at, like, even things like, okay, two weeks ago, right, we had an ice cream truck after service and we had a party. It's actually biblical that we do something like that. The Old Testament lays out, like, that was what they did. They gathered, they even used their finances to celebrate and party together. It's a kingdom thing. 
So those three things, the, the priesthood, those in need in their community, and communal celebrations were primarily what it was used for. Now Jesus, when we come to him, he didn't talk too much about that tithing specifically. He talked a lot about finances, I already said that, but he upheld Old Testament principles. And then when we get to the rest of the New Testament, the letters to the church, this is where my study where I was like, what, you know, what are we supposed to do? Because it doesn't talk about this that much there. And what my research, what I found surprised me. The reason that most scholars and the reason that I think that it's not talked about in the New Testament directly is because the New Testament church was so generous, they didn't need to talk about it specifically. They weren't just like struggling to give 10%. Many of them were giving half of their income or more. They were so generous because they were so grateful for what God did that they trusted abundantly. And there's not a set amount that you're required to give, and I think it's different for all of us. I'm not going to tell you the right amount that you're supposed to trust God with. But the New Testament church gave so abundantly, the New Testament writers didn't need to talk to them to encourage them of, hey, make sure you're you know, tithing, make sure you're doing this, because they were so abundant and extravagant in their giving, it wasn't even required. And I think for us, right, it's not about a legalistic 10%. You know, it's a good general rule and place to start with our finances and our tithing. You know, and sometimes I, I've, I've been in conversations, people are arguing, like, am I supposed to give before my taxes or after my taxes? Do I give before it goes into the 401k or after it comes out or at both times? And, and honestly, I think the New Testament church would be, like, pulling their hair out at us. Like, why are you discussing this? You are missing the point. God loved you so much. He sent his son for you. And he continues to provide for you all the time. And if you trust him, he is going to provide. And if you trust him, you're going to get to be a part of his kingdom in this world. And you're going to get to help other people in this world. And it's going to make a difference. Why are you arguing about the trees? You're missing the forest. And now, about offering, I'm not going to talk about much about it. But an offering is, a, is something that you do as something of your choice. You know, it's not something that God leads you that you have to do this. Maybe he says, you know, he gives you an opportunity, but an offering is something from your heart joyfully. And I think in this passage, when he talks about a cheerful giver, that's an offering. It's something extra that you want to do for somebody else or for God or for the church or, or, or whatever it is. One more um, thing to talk about is, um, before we move on, is sometimes when we talk about finances and we talk about tithing, people are, think about, you know, is this supposed to just go to the church or outside of the church or what does it look like? Simply put, if you have a home church, you should be giving that to that church. If it's not this church, that's fine, but you should be giving to your home church. Your tithe should go there, and the church should be generally using it for what I mentioned. That's the biblical thing, right? For the church workers, for the community and those in need, and for the community celebrations and gatherings. But if, if you want to give an offering it doesn't have to go to the church. It can go to a nonprofit. It can go to just somebody at need. in need. You can pay for somebody's meal that you go out with, somebody you see um, in the community, whatever it is, that can go wherever your heart desires or wherever God calls you to give it. And then lastly, you know, church finances. I mentioned this, right, those three general areas. Um, but I just want to share something, right, because this is a, a little bit more of a message for our house and our people. You know, one of the things... I want to let you guys know about as part of our heart. I've mentioned this before, but we have a heart as we started this church and we said, you know what, our family practices giving and generosity, our family practices tithing. And we said, you know what, our church, we want to practice this as well. 
Our church is not just about gathering as much for ourselves, and we do a lot for the community too, but we also just want to just straight give away. And so our goal is to give away at least 10% of our finances to those in need and to other organizations. This year alone, we've already given over $8,000 to help churches start around the country. We're less than a year old. We're already helping other churches start, right? Yeah, that's completely worth celebrating. Matter of fact, we've even helped churches start in San Jose because we're about God's kingdom, not just about what he's doing right here in our house. We've given thousands to organizations like Foster the City and to directly to people in our community, and that is part of our heart. Some of you think giving away 10% is crazy, it's impossible, and I want to tell you it's not. My family has practiced this for decades. It's not impossible. My fourth point, my final point this morning is giving is a celebration. It's supposed to be a celebration for us. And this is why I put this topic in this series. I'm excited to preach this message, and I'm not like just trying to avoid it, right? Sometimes as pastors, like this isn't the favorite topic to preach on because I know that it's not always your favorite topic to hear when you come to church on a Sunday. But what I want you to see is what I've received in my life, and I know many others have as well. When you start to let God trust him in this area of your life, it can become not a stronghold, not a burden, not something you're worried and fearful about all the time, not something you're arguing about all the time, but it can be an area of celebration in your life. It's why I talk about it even as part of our worship. I say, you know, some of our, part of our worship every week is we sing songs together, we gather in community, we receive a word and a message. Part of it is our giving because it's our worship to God, and as a part of worship is our celebration. And if this church is going to be filled with praise and celebration every week, one of the ways for that to happen is for us to grow in our giving and our trust of God in this area. Because the more we sow, the more that we as a church and that you individually are going to get to reap. And our giving is a celebration and it leads to more celebration. That's what Paul is saying here. I'm going to come back to that in a second. We give because we know it all comes from God. We know that our finances come from Him. Our jobs come from Him. And I can tell you with all of my heart, as a pastor, this is a topic where sometimes I just want to grab people and say, I'm not trying to take from you. I'm trying to give you joy of something in your life. I, like, I, it's not about me. It's not about our church. It's about what I want and God wants for you in this area of your life. But sometimes it's hard to hear it because you think there's ulterior motives. God wants to bring joy into your life. And I know that God has done so much for me. How could I not give back to him. And I know it's more joyful to give than to receive. And I know that if you get this church, your life, your relationships are going to be so much more full of joy and celebration. I remember moving to San Jose six years ago, and I remember when my wife and I got our first paycheck. Actually, it was her paycheck. And I remember we didn't have a home church yet, and I remember how grateful we were for that paycheck. And I remember praying about, hey God, where do we give this? And I don't remember where we gave it. But what I remember was we were so excited. Because by Silicon Valley standards, it was not a lot of money. But for us, it was the most we'd had in a really long time. And so it was the most we got to give away for a really long time. And I, I, I vividly remember sitting in our really sketchy apartment, because that's what we could afford when we moved here. And I remember sitting there praying about, hey, where do we, where do we give this? And just so excited that we had more to give. That's what can happen with your finances when you trust God. 
because we learn that, man, the more that we sow, the more that we get to reap. We get to be a part of God's kingdom work and what he's doing. And we're excited because we couldn't wait to celebrate his provision. We give from a place of gratitude. We give because God has done so much for us and God has done it. We give from gratitude. We also give towards things. Right? We get to celebrate the giving when we see the work of God happening in the world and in the church around us. I'm going to invite the band back up here, force me to wrap this up. Right? The church here, Paul is saying, you get to celebrate more because they're celebrating more. And part of your giving is impacting their lives. He's telling the church in Corinth, these other people that had need and you gave and your church gave to them, they are now celebrating what God's done for them through even your provision. And what Paul is saying is now you get to celebrate more. See, the more we give, we increase the celebration of God's kingdom. And the more the celebration of God's kingdom increases, the more our celebration increases. Everyone celebrates. When we baptize people here in a couple weeks at our one-year anniversary, you know who gets to celebrate on that day? Obviously, the people getting baptized in their families. Everybody here gets to celebrate. But everyone who has given, not just financially, but served and given for the church, they get to celebrate. Those that have set up and torn down, they get to celebrate God's kingdom being built and people finding freedom, finding life, finding hope in their lives because they invested, they sowed, and now they get to reap the harvest because they were a part of it. Our giving, I'm going to put this up here. This is a good thing for you guys to keep in your mind. Our giving is three things about our giving. It is from a heart of gratitude and celebration from God. It's from our heart of gratitude and celebration. Our giving is to those that God cares about because, and we get to celebrate because of their celebration. We give from a heart of gratitude. We also give towards things that matter in life. And our giving is a celebration. It's with celebration because of the amazing relationship we have from God. I want to ask you as I wrap up this morning, what do you want to leave for your kids? Or maybe you don't have kids to your friends and your community. Do you want them to, to, to be or see that you're fearful, angry, fighting? Or do you want them to have a health and generosity in this area of their life? You know, how about your friends? Do you want them to see a selfish person or one who is generous and grateful? That celebrates because God has given so much and they're willing to be generous as well. I know too many people outside of the church that are generous when those of us inside the church aren't. And I think if more of us Christians would start being generous, there would be a lot more Christians. Because the world would see God through us. A loving God that is a giving God, just like we're called to be. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son for you and for me and all of us. This is the basis of our faith. This is the basis of our giving. He first gave to us. He gave more than, than, than we ever could give. And our giving inspires thankfulness in others. It inspires thankfulness in our life. What would the church look like if we continued to grow in our influence and size and generosity as we grew? You know, already the city and organizations we partner with have been amazed at the, the generosity of our church and what we're sowing already and what we're getting to reap already because of it. As we continue to, what could this city and this world look like if we continue to grow in this area as a church and as individuals? What would your life look like? What would your family's life look like? 
What will your friendships, your relationships look like? If you're broken in this area or you're broken in any area of your life, I want to invite you to bring that to the cross. And Jesus wants to bring healing and he wants to bring new life for you. Let Jesus heal it. And what would your life look like if he did? Because he will if you let him. God said, I have given freely, no strings attached. You've, all of us have sinned, we've broken, we've messed up. And he said, I know you don't deserve it, but I'm going to send Jesus anyways. I love you that much. He was so generous before we even deserved it. Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, and he rose three days later. And God said, all you need to do is believe in him, and that's payment enough. And you can have restored relationship. I talked about this last week. Our sins are literally sent away when we believe in Jesus. He wants to do the same for you. If you want to trust him in this area of your life, if you want to just come to him, maybe you say, I, my whole life I need to trust him. All you have to do is believe. So I want to invite you guys to bow your heads right now to pray with me. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, you want to trust him, you can just echo these words in your heart, in your head along with me. Jesus, I trust you. I believe you came for me. I believe you died and rose again for me. I believe my sins are forgiven because of you. And Jesus, I choose to follow after you. And God, I pray for our church right now, and I pray for those here. God, I want to pray for freedom in this area of their lives. There are people right now that this is an area of fear. It's an area of worry. It's an area where they need to see you provide and they think, I don't have enough. Well, God, you are the God of abundance. You are the God of blessing. You're the God of provision. And so I pray right now for those that need it, that you would bring provision in their lives. If they need a job, if they need um, a provision at work, if they need a provision with their finances or their childcare or whatever area they need provision right now, God, I pray that you would bring it, God, because you are the God that loves to give when we don't even deserve it. And God, I pray for those that you know, maybe they have enough, but they don't feel like they have enough. I pray that you would just increase their trust, that they would just grow in their faith right now. And as they lean out in faith to trust you, to see what could you do, God, if I trusted you, I pray that they would take that step of faith. And God, they would just be so excited that they get to be a part of your kingdom and what you're doing. And I pray for an abundant harvest, God, for them. I pray for an abundant harvest for our church as we continue to just trust you, God. We give this to you, Lord. Amen. We're going to continue our service. And I want to invite you actually to just, just reflect for a little while. The team's going to lead us through a song in a minute. And I don't want you to feel any pressure to give, but maybe you want to. There's boxes by the door you can give at any point. You can give online. It's also a great time for me to mention. Um, sometimes people are in different financial situations. Um, Many employers have a, a matching program through a, a, a nonprofit called Benevolent Benevity that we're a part of. So sometimes, depending on where you work for, you could give, and it's going to be doubled um, because of it. Also, some people get paid with stock or other things. Um, on our giving page on our website, you can see how to give that way as well. Sometimes that's helpful for people. But I, I don't want you to feel any pressure to give right now, but I also want to give you the chance to do it. Because Jesus didn't shy away from talking about finances because he knew that there was life. There's life for you in this. 
We give from a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for God. We give because it's a privilege to get to be a part of making a difference in this world and rejoice in God's provision for other people and how they get to rejoice. So we're going to sing a new song together, and I want to invite you during this song. There's no pressure, but I want to ask you, what if you took God seriously in this area of your life? What if what I said, what I read was true? That if you trusted God with your finances, that if you gave 10% away, that God would bless you more with the 90% and you would have more joy and celebration in your life. I've sat in seats just like this and been around people and, you know, service is over and message like this and, you know, the conversation is, that sounds nice, but that's never going to happen in my life. There's no way I could do that. That's crazy. I'm telling you, God is telling you it's true. Your giving could move from being a burden to a celebration. He could move from fear to joy in your life in this area. It is for my family and it is for so many other people that I know about. So we're going to sing a new song. I want to invite you to spend some time meeting with God during this song. Whatever you need. Maybe it's not even in this area. Maybe you're in a totally different place this morning and you said, I came to church and I'm broken in this area or I need God's help in this area. I need hope in this area. I need Whatever you need, spend some time meeting with God during this song. You can spend some time in prayer um, and just reflect. Let these words even become your prayer and wash over you, that you commit to God, that you're living for him and not yourself. And there's a few lines in this song that our staff has been talking about this week. It says, I need nothing more, but I want nothing less. When my race is done, I want nothing left. Whatever comes next, you have my yes. If that's your prayer, let it become your prayer. Church, let it be our prayer that whatever comes next, God has our yes. Spend some time, meet with him right now. Thank you for joining us on the Tekoa Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and let God do the work only he can do. We hope it helped you wherever you are at in your faith journey. We want to connect with you if you're going through something difficult or looking to be a part of our church community. Fill out the Tekoa card on our Connect page, tekoachurch.org connect. While there, you can also see the most up-to-date information in the life of our church. A special thank you to those of you who give to Tekoa. Your sacrifice makes this podcast and our Sunday gatherings possible, as well as creates life change throughout the world. You can be a part of this by going to tekoachurch.org giving. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Until next time, blessings.